Ho, 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 ho. Hello, everybody. And welcome to a very special episode of Prospects After Dark. Uh, we are here to uh, celebrate uh, the holiday season. There's no telling how long Jesus is going to work. This beard is too much, you guys. I don't know how to make it work. Uh, uh, it's in my mouth. Oh my god. Hey, well, everybody, welcome to Prospects After Dark. I'm your host, I'm Kyle Reese. We might have to, we might have to go down here. I'm your host, I am Kyle Reese. Uh, welcome to another episode of Prospects After Dark. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Uh, look, uh, I guess we'll start off by saying the same things we always say, which is to say that we have nothing to say. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing. I'm already ready to call it quits, and we haven't even started yet. No, um... Kidding aside, welcome everybody to Prospects After Dark. It is December the 20th, 2022. We're about ready to get into the end, the end, the end of the year. And uh, again, we recommend everybody go over to YouTube. Bring your questions. You know, over on YouTube, we already have uh, uh, some some good dialogue going on. Uh, before we get into that, I'm already ready for a beer, uh, as this beard isn't playing the way that I want the beard to play. I'm going to start with the Montucky to everybody who celebrates something or nothing. I raise my glass. Oh, uh, Sarah says cute sweater. Thank you. You've got a cute sweater on too, Sarah. Uh, we're going to get right into the stuff over on YouTube because there's no telling. And again, go to go to Birds on the Black. Go to the YouTube page. Uh, you'll get me live and then we can do the questions and do this, do this a little nicer. It's always better on the YouTube page. But uh, Zach Bathon says, hello, Pad people. I love this. Kyle, what do you make of the Carlson rumors about him possibly being shopped or traded? You know, I think that uh, Mo in the front office is a very savvy front office, and I think that they pretty well listen on everybody. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the front office with Mo, so it's hard to say. God, I wish that I could make this work. Uh, I'm not in the front office. <laughs> oh, God, that, those little hairs are disgusting. Uh, uh, but I'm not in the front office with Mo, so it's hard to say. You know, I uh, I can't tell you how it's going to be. All I can say is uh, that they'd be smart to listen on everybody. And I, you guys know I love Dylan Carlson. I love that family. But... Yeah, you know, my thoughts are that uh, there's no reason not to listen. Now, are they shopping him? I can't say. I don't think shopping him is a good idea, but listening on everybody is a good idea, and and I'm about it. Look, I am pro Dylan Carlson. We know that a lot of his batted ball data is in a positive. We know that usually uh, really good batted ball data is a good predictor of future success. And we know that there was a time last year when all of a sudden Dylan Carlson was back to hitting the ball hard and doing some good stuff, and then his wrist seemed to fail him. So, yeah, you know, like, uh, no, I, I don't think it's a good idea to shop him or trade him. Uh, I don't think it's a bad idea either. But what I, just like with Tyler O'Neill, I want to see what he looks like when he's fully healthy because he was up to like a 113 WRC plus before he started falling apart, before that wrist and, you know, maybe some lingering hammy issues got the better of him. Uh, just like with Tyler O'Neill, like I'm not ready to give up on Tyler O'Neill. So, yeah, like the, the, I guess that's where I'm at. I guess that's where I'm at. Back over on YouTube. Uh, so I guess my general thoughts are let's just see what happens. Uh, Kyle Eden says thoughts on the Correa news today and why and why should the Cardinals give him a large contract anyway my thoughts are I can't wait to find out exactly and maybe we'll never find out exactly what's messed up with Miss uh, Car- Mr. Carlos Correa I you know I, I would suspect that if the Giants were willing to give him a lot of money that uh, there'd be a lot of stuff that they might overlook or maybe it's the other way around now that I say it out loud maybe they would they'd, they'd think well if we're going to give him that much money we've got to make sure that this is a pristine uh, physique to, to make sure to hedge our bets, to make sure we don't screw anything up. Uh, so, you know, I, my thoughts are if 
if the Cardinals bring him in and it's nothing serious, if it's something that they feel like they can work through, then yeah, you know, I would be all about the Cardinals exploring that. I don't think they will. I still think he's going to outprice them. I, I can't wait to see where he goes. You know, my thought would be the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are in a unique position where they have money to spend and they've got to have a reason to convince Devers, uh, Rafael Devers to stay. And uh, he just makes too much sense there for me. Uh, maybe he goes to some other place on a one-year deal at a, at a high AAV again, just kind of like he did or had the potential to with the, the Twins. Uh, I can't really say, but that's, uh, you know, I'll be fascinated to see where it goes. I'll be fascinated to see if we find out any information specific about what came up in the physical that stopped the Giants, that gave the uh, gave the Giants pause. And uh, I'm anxious to see which teams jump in. Or if maybe they work, he ends up working something out with the Giants in the long run, you know. Um, we'll see. Our good friend Matt Huff says, ho, 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 Mary Padmas. That's right. And to our good friend Matt Huff, uh, I'm going to, Pop my Aldi beer, uh, my my uh, uh, Aldi advent calendar, the German style Pilsner, and we're gonna drink to you, Mac. Oh, Zach Bathon says Santa. Yeah, I'm Santa. If Santa was, uh, I mean, I'm kind of like uh, what, the new uh, uh, David Harbor movie where Santa's a murderer and a psychopath. Yeah, that's that would be the closest version of Santa that I'd be able to um, to be able to partake in. Over on Twitter, guys. We, it's rare that we don't have people drop questions on Twitter. Drop your questions on Twitter. And if you're not going to drop your questions on Twitter, come over to YouTube. Go over to the Birds on the Black YouTube page. That's where we have better engagement. We can put the question up on the screen, uh, powered by StreamYard, and uh, really get into it. VHS, our good friend, says, hey, Kyle, can we discuss that trade value calculator and really dig into its flaws? Yeah, I hate that thing, you know. And they, they get a lot of credit, what I think is not deserved. You know, when you're talking about, like, hey, this trade was within three points and uh, the total value of the trade was 20 and there's all kinds of people and then you're giving kind of an arbitrary value. I know that there's math and uh, algorithms and the, the like that get you the number, but that, that trade value side is a joke. You know, I, they, they get kind of close, but, you know, what's three points and a 20 point, you know, when you're talking about 20 points, I don't know. I just, I don't think that, I think that that thing is a really fun thing for fans who don't want to take it seriously. And if we could all not take it seriously, then it'd be a really awesome, fun tool. But the problem is people think that that thing is accurate and it is not, you know, uh, it's, it has the potential to be accurate. And just like with everything else, you put enough data into something, a blind squirrel is going to catch a nut, but I fucking hate that thing. VHS. I'm glad you brought it up. Big old buck says, Merry, happy Christmas, holiday, new year. Yeah. You know, I, on, on Twitter, I said, Merry, happy. And that's an ode to, uh, a community uh that which is one of my favorite comedies of all time the merry happy and by the way look at this beautiful prospects after dark ugly sweatshirt which i'm not sure if you can still get over at birds on the black or not uh but if you can you should go to the birds on the black merchandise shop and buy some uh fill the hopefully get cardinals gift some cash zach Bathon says merry christmas you filthy animal that's right uh over on youtube and looks like we got a twitter comment Stephen, oh jesus Stephen gloriad says it would seem like a quick turnaround on carlson from him being reportedly off limits in a soto deal now again let's let's get into that now he wasn't off limits in a soto deal they just said they weren't going to trade him once it kind of became pretty clear that they didn't have a match with the padres remember they told that to gorman too uh, there were a couple of people that they told that when it looked like they weren't going to be able to make anything happen. What we pretty well know at this point is that it wasn't just Carlson. It wasn't 
just Gorman. It wasn't just Walker. There was like the Padres wanted all of those guys. And when it became, became clear that the Cardinals weren't going to trade all of those guys and that the Padres weren't going to come off of their ask, the Cardinals told Carlson that they, they weren't going to trade him. They told Gorman they weren't going to trade him. It wasn't just Carlson. And I think you're right. I think that has a lot to do with it. And that's a lot of the, like, the issue that I have with national reporting. It really sucks. Uh, Venice Queen King says, so excited to finally catch one of these. Venice King... Queen King, I raise my glass of Montucky to you. Thank you for being here. And again, I want to remind everybody, and I'm sorry for keep saying it, go, and go, go over to the Birds on the Black YouTube page. It's a much better experience for viewing. Sarah Ann over on Twitter says, how long into the 2023 season until Arenado yips come back? Uh, Arenado's got the yips, you know. Uh, he's got the yips over there. Watch. Watch him get the yips and then make the most amazing play in the history of the world. And then uh, uh, history keep happening i don't this is supposed to be a fucking i don't know what the fuck this thing's supposed to be honestly <laughs> the arenado the arenado has the yips thing is it might be my favorite inside joke that i have uh, with with sarah and gifts more than gifts but honestly one of the funniest things ever a uh, mac huff over on youtube says getting beer soaked mustache hairs in your mouth is a part of kyle's character uh yeah for real like <laughs> oh god it's so disgusting in my mouth uh uh, what I'm going to do again is to get some, I'm going to drink one of these albino things. I don't know. What the fuck it is. Who cares? Truth be told, it's not very good, but it's a high alcohol content and you can never have enough. Uh, Andy Heckross says, Merry Christmas, Cardinal fans. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Kwanzaa. Uh, happy all that stuff. Uh, uh, for people who celebrate things and don't celebrate things, uh, happy, happy season. Uh, Colin Dunn says Santa White Claws. Yeah, uh, everybody loves a good White Claw. That's for sure. I don't have any here. I guess the closest thing I have to a White Claw is probably this Jim Beam Vanilla uh, airplane bottle that came out of my Jim Beam Advent calendar. I'll go ahead and get one a little shot of that. Just a little shot. God, that's fucking terrible. Hey, John Noble says... Uh, Merry Christmas to y'all. To you, John Noble. Merry Christmas to you, bud. I believe that you and I, uh, we've been talking a little in the DMs. John, John is, and I'm, I'm probably going to overstretch here, but John is one of the many people who have been kind enough to me to be like, hey, let's get a Patreon going for you. Uh, let's find a way to, to, uh, to help you monetize this. Uh, and I just like, I can't get myself to do it. I just can't because of a lot of reasons. One, I think if I got to, if I'm, gonna make money off of it it's something i have to commit to more than i commit to my quality has to be better which means i have to become a better writer which i'm not capable of being uh and also i take pride in the fact that we can give maybe some prospect information for free that a lot of other people would charge for like i take pride in that like i want people to be educated and i can't say that i want to educate the masses and also limit how the masses consume it i know patreon kind of has a walk around there or a work through because people don't have to pay uh, but I'm just, I'm not in the right mind frame. I, I'm also not in a good spot where I feel like I can give the extra little bit to make it all work. Uh, but uh, anyways, John Noble's an awesome dude. I'm already doing a lot of cheers to John Noble, to Colin Dunn, to Andy Heckroth, everybody who's in here for Prospects After Dark on a Tuesday night. Oh, God, that's so disgusting. Uh, over on Twitter, we have, uh, Ale hey, Alex Crystal Foley says, my seven-year-old just heard you say the F word and I got into trouble. Sorry, uh, little Chris Afouli. I love Alex Chris Afouli. Alex, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, apologize to your seven-year-old. 
tell your seven-year-old that I am a bad man and I will I will write a letter to Santa asking for forgiveness uh, because I should. And uh, also, the other thing I want out of you is to do an episode of Chirps with Tara because I missed that. But uh, I have to earn it and I'm gonna knock an easy F word for at least five minutes, I would think. Uh, O.T. Lee says, sauced up Santa dishing on specs is a real treat. Cheers. Cheers to you, O.T. Lee. I raised my glass. Uh, you're a good dude. I, I enjoy interacting with Twitter on Twitter with you. Oh, back over on YouTube, Bo Barton says, Happy Holidays, Kyle. Cubs are still bad. Yeah, you know, the greatest thing that could end up, like, there's a chance that the Cubs signing Dansby Swanson could end up being a really awesome thing in the way that, like, the Jason Hayward signing was a really awesome thing, where, like, a large part of the Cardinal fan base is like, this guy's awesome. He's great. Look at him. He's clutch. WRC plus uh, that for those three months in his career. Uh, he's, uh, he's amazing. He's found his power, which honestly, he probably has found his power. I mean, that's the one thing here. He's going to bring a little bit of extra power, especially playing in that shithole or that poop hole. See, I almost made it a minute. Uh, that poop hole that is Wrigley. Um, that being said, my hope is that Dansby Swanson is as average or above average as a $13 million player would be per year, but at $25 million for the team that I hate with my entire soul. Dan Chibnall says, how does Moises uh, how does Moises uh, go? And then he corrected it on the next one, as I'm just saying now. How do you see Moises Gomez fitting into the Cardinals' plans in 2023? Well, I think we can all probably agree that the hard-hitting Gomez will enter camp with a chance to have some DH at-bats from the right side. You know, I think in a lot of our minds, Juan Yepes has that role locked up, and I believe Juan Yepes probably should have that role pretty well locked up. But one thing that uh, uh, that Moises Gomez does well that a lot of other people don't is hit the ball extremely hard when he makes contact. He made some adjustments at the end of the year, too, at, at AAA that were positive, although I maintain from watching all the games that he was getting pitched a little bit differently. And it's just... There'll be some reverting back to the norms, but you know, we'll wait and see there. So I would think that he'll come into camp with a chance to have those right-handed at-bats, do a little competing with Juan Yepes, even though I think Yepes is the better hitter. Uh, of course, not the same power. Um, and uh, get a chance to compete at some point at the major league level if he stays healthy and continues on the torrid track of power that he he was on in 2022. Um, over on YouTube... Cardinals fan 0213 says, I think Liam Hendricks makes a lot of sense. Him and Helsley back end would be nasty. Yeah, again, I, I'm all about Liam, Liam Hendricks. Like, I think that that is the right way to go. I don't know what it would cost. It doesn't really seem like that. You know, the White Sox are buying in a weird way with Benintendi, who's kind of like an average outfielder. So you don't really know what they're doing or what their ask would be or exactly how exorbitant it would be. Uh, it's definitely something I would I would pursue. I'd look into if I were the Cardinals. I'm sure they already know what the asking price is. And yeah, I, I think that uh, Liam Hendricks at the back end of the Cardinals bullpen without, you know, with Ryan Helsley on the same roster would be huge. Um, yeah, that, that's what I think. No need to apologize. It was my fault. No, it was my fault. Hey, uh, Ron Nuttall says, definitely not letting my kids hop up on your lap. No, no, we don't want any of that. Like, I don't even want that. Uh yeah, that's a good way for everybody to get in trouble, for uh, DFS to take your kids, for you and I to be prison roommates in a very small cell that we'll eventually share a bed together in. Uh, but it'll be sensual and lovely. It's just that all the other stuff leading up to it won't be. Mac Huff 
over on YouTube says, how do you feel the new MLB scheduling will go? Will more games against non-NL Central teams affect how the front office perceives success? Should it? No. So here's my thought about that. I think the more I think about that, the more I think that the the unbalanced schedule, whatever it is, the less games against the NL Central, even though the NL Central is trash, doesn't really matter as much as everybody says or as much as everybody thinks. Like, yeah, sure, that's your games against the Cubs who are shitty and the Brewers who are shitty and the Pirates who are shitty and the Reds who are shitty, but you're going to play shitty teams from other leagues too. You know, and again, it's all a crapshoot when you're talking about that. But like, I think it's a little overblown by fans. I think it's a little overblown by pontificators. And uh, I I don't like, I don't think it's going to have a huge sway in how things go. I, I, I just don't like, what are you talking about? Maybe a two or three win variance that changes, you know, think about how often the Cardinals are bad against good teams and are bad against bad teams and good against good teams. Like, it's all about motivation. It's all about how healthy people are. Like it's all about in season circumstances. I think that will kind of dictate how that all goes. But yeah, I think that being Cardinal fans and understanding how shitty the, the NL central is, how bad the NL central is like our first thought is to think the NL central kept us alive in some dark times over the last couple of years, specifically when pitching was trash pitching. that really hasn't been addressed other than the Montgomery carryover from last year. Uh, again, we'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure. But like, um, I just don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. You know, think about last year. We watched the Cardinals sweep the Yankees after getting beat by bad teams. Like, baseball's just weird like that. It's fickle. And I think that, you know, you always want to play worse teams than than good teams in order to pad your record and give yourself some distance in the league. But I just don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Sorry to ramble on. Jeff Niehaus, our good friend, says, uh, holy shit, Kyle, I'm 13 minutes late. I'm sorry. I love you. To Jeff. Jeff thought it was Wednesday earlier today, uh, and he also is off until the new year. To Jeff, to all of the people who don't have to go back to work, as I'm sure I'll be working 12-hour days for the foreseeable future uh, as we enter Christmas. But to everybody, I raise my glass. Uh, Over on Twitter, uh, Ron Nuttall says, which two pitchers are the Cardinals going to have to trade for? This July, uh, let's see, find two left-handed pitchers on really bad teams that you can get. Well, no, the Montgomery doesn't count. I'm just thinking about last year more than anything. But, yeah, uh, find us two left-handed pitchers because that's the trend. And then depending on how good you need to be uh, or how bad you are, that's uh, the, the level of uh, the level of talent that you get. You know, if, if it's 2021 and you're just looking for people to get you to the end of the season, then you end up with John Lester and Jay Happ. Uh, but if you're a good team and you're just trying to get a lot better, you get Montgomery and Quintana. Uh, that That's my guess. Find two lefties on two different teams that uh, might be able to help them. Because just like you're saying, they're going to need it. I, You know, again, I hate to be this way about John Mazalak. Because I, I, I'm not I'm not a Mazalak hater. But the thought, if they're being serious, and I know they have to say stuff, if they think they have six starters going into the year, and one of those starters is Dakota Hudson, then I think it goes to show you the fault in their philosophy and their unre- their un- their inability to realize their own issues. Because uh, if they believe it and they're not prepared to pivot from it, then there there's an issue there. I, again, I know that they're hopeful that Dusty Blake can help right Dakota Hudson, and he might be able to. And I know they're hopeful that the pitch clock will force Hudson to move quicker. And I guess we're all hopeful for that. But I am not convinced that that is something that is actually going to happen. Uh, I Again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
but Dakota Hudson should not be a starting option at all. You know, ideally, and I've been thinking about this a lot. If you can't trade Montgomery, who is that's the person I trade if, if the opportunity pre- prevented it, presented itself, and you know you're not going to be able to put Mats in the bullpen, which is what I would like to see. I would like to see Stephen Mats be full time bullpen, even at that salary, and finally get your Andrew Miller level performance out of the lefty you tried to pay that Andrew Miller just wasn't. Uh, I think you would get that out of Mats. Uh, and then you could fill that spot in the rotation. But uh, we talked about that. I would have liked for that to have been Senga. I would have, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there now, Michael Waka included or Nathan Avalde, who who I would want to fill that spot. So, you know, I, I just think I'm not, you guys know me, I'm not bullish on Matthew Libertor. I'd rather have Jake Woodford in that six starter spot. We'll see what Drew Verhagen is. Honestly, I'm more bullish on Drew Verhagen than I am Dakota Hudson. Uh, and that's just because, like, I'm tired of Dakota Hudson. You know, hopefully there's a team out there asking about him and you could do something. Jeff says, I passed out in the hot tub. That's all. Sir Ann says, why did you say J-Hap in the tone? J-Hap forever. Uh, it was more out of respect than anything. You, you, When I talk about lefties that are old, it's like J-Hap. Uh, but I I mean, hey, J-Hap. Woo! To J-Hap. John Noble says, are you worried about the number of players playing in the World Baseball Classic on our team, on the Cardinals? Lots of those guys don't need any extra stress or innings. You know, I have a different thought about it. Like, I do wish that Michaelis would just do his normal, like, wind up to the Major League season. Because I view Michaelis as being the most important part of the rotation. I know a lot of people talk about Flaherty. I think Michaels, Miles Michaelis is. I think that what he's capable of doing and eating innings and pitching to contact and also striking out some people here and there. I think that's more important than even the potential of Flaherty. Uh, I would definitely prefer that he stay the hell away from it. But like with Wayno, let Wayno go balls to the walls. You, you know, he has one calendar year of baseball left in him and let him go balls to the walls. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If he's injured by June, he's, he gets injured there. It's whatever. Like Adam Wainwright has earned that uh, That in my book. Whatever Adam Wainwright wants, Adam Wainwright gets. You know, and then on top of that, like, I don't I don't really have an issue with Goldie and Arenado getting fired up uh, a little early, bringing some of that fire back to camp on the World Baseball Classics over. And also, you know, the, the, the question is, and that's something that people have talked about is, Having those available at bats, even though some of these best players are going to be in the World Baseball Classic, having some of those available at bats for young players to get a chance to make uh, make a name for themselves, even against, like I said, diminished competition with other teams sending their best players to the World Baseball Classic, I think that it could be a good thing. You know, I, I think I think the Cardinals need to see what Moises Gomez looks like early, and Juan Yepes, and Nolan Gorman, and uh, Alec Burleson, and uh, uh, Furman, like I want to, I want all of that. Gordon Graceffo, uh, Connor Thomas, like they owe it to themselves to see what these guys look like. So look like in spring with the chance to build up to a major league contribute contributing role. And uh, I think that this puts them in a good spot for that. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, we're all going to be looking back on the year. If Arenado gets hurt and Goldie gets hurt and Wayno wears down and those guys wore down and Michaelis isn't Michaelis from last year. And we're going to say, the World Baseball Classic effed this team, uh, and I hope that's not the case. But I also really like the World Baseball Classic, and I'm glad that some of the best competition is competing in it. Um, kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Uh, Big old Buck says, I think we trade with the Marlins at some point over the next month for Pablo Lopez or Sandy Alcantara. I uh, just feel like the Marlins will cash in while the value is super high. You know, the thing about the Alcantara contract is there isn't a reason to like cash in on that. 
Uh, it's nothing but free money. You know, five years, 10 mil a year or whatever it is that they give Alcantara. Like, there isn't a reason to move that. And you're not going to get equal value for that. There's just no way. Like, you would have to get a return back. That's more than what Soto for that. You know, you're talking about the best pitcher in baseball, potentially. Um, that is also an innings eater. That is also under incredibly comfortable team control for years. Like, you can't get equal value for that, for what he's going to provide for you. Maybe somewhere down the line with Alcantara. Now, Pablo Lopez is interesting because the Marlins have every reason to trade Pablo Lopez. You know, there was a report at uh, the All-Star break and at the deadline that the asking price for Pablo Lopez was through the roof. My guess is that it is still through the roof, and that's why he hasn't been traded. I also like I like the idea of those guys being around for Skip Schumacher as he gets his major league career going as a manager, you know, instead of those guys being gone. But, yeah, you know, I guess somewhere in the future I could envision a trade scenario in which the Cardinals trade for Pablo Lopez. I just don't think Sandy Alcantara is moving anytime soon. It doesn't really make sense for them to do it. Again, a reminder to everybody on Twitter. We've got a couple people on Twitter. Go over to the YouTube page, the Birds on the Black YouTube page. You can find that through my Twitter page. You can find it through Google or whatever. It's a much better viewing experience. Uh, OT Lee over on Twitter says, should I get my Rich Hill jersey now in preparation for the trade deadline? That's a good call. Rich Hill is a great call for what to keep an eye on at the trade deadline. Yeah, something like that. Uh, they're going to need those arms. I, look, this isn't this isn't going to be a miracle situation. You know, Stephen Matz's knee is still Stephen Matz's knee. I don't I like. I'm worried that they're just going to assume that that thing magically heals without surgery. And as far as we know, he hasn't undergone surgery. So, uh, you know, that's a concern, obviously for me. You've got Wayno's age. You know, I'm not worried about Michaelis. You've got Flaherty's continued injury history. You've got Dakota Hudson, who isn't a good pitcher. You've got uh, uh, somebody. Oh, and Jordan Montgomery, who once they started using his fastball, his four-seam a lot. And uh, once the National League started realizing that they were using his four-seam a lot, got kind of hit because he shouldn't use his four-seam a lot. And the Yankees knew that, and they maximized him. And then the Cardinals thought that they could get clever as if their pitching philosophy is better than what the Yankees is. Uh, but so now I'm anxious to see what Jordan Montgomery is. But I think he's a big question, too. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't extend him. I think that that's stupid. Even if even if the means the ends justify the means, I still think it's a, a terrible thing to do uh, unless you can pay down his arbitration number this year from like 10 to 8 and extend him for a couple of years. Like, you know, if you want to try to get an innings eater for a couple of years, and maybe that's good. And uh, And also on top of that, like, I guess the positive there is, uh, at least he's been healthy and at least he strikes out some people, relatively speaking. Uh, oh, Aaron Johnson over on YouTube. And again, uh, Aaron posted this at 717 and at 734. He says, okay, I think your thoughts on the trade calculator are all right, but maybe it's better than nothing. No, it's not better than nothing. And let me tell you why. Because what it does is it creates unreal expectations. It is absolutely better than nothing. Because what happens? Then you see teams like, oh, the Padres traded for Juan Soto. Let's go in and find the, the prospects that the Cardinals would trade for Juan Soto. How come they didn't make this trade? Mo's sitting on his ass again. No, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's just like going to MLB the show and putting a trade in and being like, oh, how come the Cardinals couldn't trade for Jacob DeGrom? All it took was this one guy I drafted in 2024 second round and uh, the Braylon Marquez, who I traded from the Cubs. Like, it is, there are certain things that it's not about the U. The utility itself and its harm, it's about how us idiots as human, humans use it. And that trade calculator is one of them because fandom is built off of passion and passion is disgusting. Uh, uh, other than when we're making love to ourselves in our beds. Uh, so yeah, 
And then he says, Aaron Johnson says, when you're a fan dreaming of trades, it at least kind of gives you gutter guards. No, it doesn't even do that. What it does is it creates unreal expectations and unreal standards and also gives an unequal and unequiv- like unequivalent value to players that ignores the fact that every team values players different, puts an assignment and a different value to this uh, and their own players and other teams' players. You know, sure, it's, it might be a baseline. It might come from somewhere, but it just misses so much context. And one thing that fans always forget, and trust me, I'm the guy who writes about prospects, one thing fans always get is the context of things. And, like, I've spent my entire time on Twitter and my entire time uh, writing, trying to create context. And that site provides no context. It, betray- it provides arbitration is what it provides. Just arbitrary sets of numbers based on one individual algorithm set of numeric standards. And I hate it. Uh, speaking of which, Anna Kaiser, not hate, Anna's fucking awesome, says this is unhinged. Yes, it is unhinged, and it gets more and more unhinged as the seconds pass. Uh, Sarah Ann says, please don't yell at me. I am watching on YouTube, but commenting on Twitter. Hey, you know, honestly, that's probably the quickest way to get a comment read. Uh, Aaron Johnson says, plus one for Liam Hendricks, obviously, depending on the cost. Uh, Anna Kaiser says, this is unhinged, and I love it. Uh, Zach Bethon says, thoughts on our starting rotation, and if we could trade a number one or two, who would you go for? Well, first off, I have, I think we all have differing opinions on what a number one or number two is, right? Like, and also how many ones or twos are available? Like the Cardinals wouldn't trade. Well, I guess they might trade Michaelis because he's in his last year, but I doubt it. Like the Cardinals aren't going to trade Miles Michaelis. A lot of teams aren't going to trade a one or a two. And I don't, I don't have any idea who's available. You know, we talked about it last week coming off of some injury. We talked about it uh, on a couple of different podcasts, like coming off of some injuries, coming off of a little bit of a ineffectiveness. Would you consider Lucas, Lucas Giolito? a one or a two i mean you start talking about the injury concerns and is that you know what is that you know how available is max freed what would that cost um you know uh uh, somewhere down the line like somebody mentioned sandy alcantara like is pablo lopez is that a a one or a two you know are the injury concerns with pablo lopez enough to get them over the hump you know uh Zach Gallen, is he an option? What would he cost? Probably be an exorbitant amount. You know, the, the Diamondbacks, if they're willing to trade and they're, they, it sounds like they are, even those center fielders, like maybe you, you engage them and hope that you can get them to break. I, I mean, I doubt it. Uh, but you know, like those are just a couple names that come to my mind, but it also comes with the caveat. Like, is it really that easy to trade for ones and twos? I, I, I just, I don't think it's that easy. And also, I don't think there are that many ones and twos in the league. It's just like the ace talk. I don't think there are a lot of aces uh, in baseball either. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about the Cardinals need an ace. The Cardinals need an ace. They just need reliability. They need these guys, just like with the outfielders, to prove that they are reliable and that they are reliable, reliably consistent and reliably consistent in a good way. Uh, Josh Thompson says, the worst fans in baseball wish you a happiest of holidays. Mr. Reese, to the worst fans in baseball. I uh, I was on their podcast a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. Now, uh, my my good friends at the worst fans on baseball, uh, worst fans in baseball, they're putting together this series about Cardinal history, the 1982 team, and they released their first one. You can find it on Spotify. Again, the worst fans in baseball. It was really well done. Uh, I'm anxious to see where they take it. And uh, they're really good people who do really good stuff. And uh, that's uh, that's where we're at. So to the worst fans on baseball, to Josh. Also, Twitter tells me that Jay Ferg, and again, 
Go to the Birds on the Black YouTube page. We have a better a better showing on the Birds on the Black YouTube page. Uh, but Twitter shows me that Jay Ferg is in here. So to Jay Ferg, I flipped the birds, brother. I flipped the birds. Jay Ferg, to you and your family, I'm raising the beer. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Love that, Jay Ferg. Tim Nikolai says, Kyle, please state at least one movie and one TV series which you greatly enjoyed this year. Well, I really enjoyed Now, for new shows, uh, Andor is the first thing that comes to my mind. I really liked Andor. I really liked Black Panther Wakanda Forever for a movie. Um, I guess if you're talking about like what show I've drowned myself in the most, Handmaid's Tale would be the show. Uh, again, I don't know if it's the best show on television, but it's easily the most captivating. There isn't a number two, uh, and I got caught up on that. I started that and blew through that. I've been watching Peaky Blinders, which is incredible. That's been giving me an incredible amount of joy. Uh, and, and honestly, like movies... Oh, the menu. I love the menu. Now, it falls apart a little bit in the third act. There's some clunky storytelling there, but I love the menu. I thought it was uh, very well acted. Uh, some great storytelling, some clever cinematography. Um, yeah, that, like that's those are the, the stuff that come to my mind. Of course, all of the pornography that I can get my hands on, too. Aaron Johnson says, why don't the Cardinals ever go big for a top-shelf Japanese player? And I think that the reason, and again, I can't speak for them. I'm not speaking for them. But my guess is that the reason that they go, they don't go big for a top-shelf top top Japanese player is because there's a lot of, lot of room for error there. And, you know, those leagues are really hard to evaluate. Like, we still haven't, we haven't done the one-for-one. One. We haven't been able to figure out exactly how to evaluate it. And a lot of those contracts don't really work out all that well. You know, the risk there is great. And if there's one thing we've learned about this Cardinals front office is they're not really big into many risks, right? Like even, even their big offseason contract this year, they signed the best available catcher to what has been a relatively modest deal as compared to a lot of people. I would argue that giving up the second round draft pick was just as tough as paying him $18 million after this $10 million uh, year this coming season, 18 and a half for the years after or whatever, with a potential uh, option at the last year, like, I, I think that that's the case. I think that there's just a lot of risk there, and the Cardinals are a risk-averse organization. And if they, they like to present themselves as anything other than risk-adverse, they're lying. They have to show me. Uh, because they weren't risk-adverse with Goldie. They weren't risk-adverse with Arenado. Uh, those were pretty standard, pretty easy deals. The only time they've gone out of their comfort zone is for Dexter Fowler and Mike Leak, really. And they both threw, they both sucked, uh, and they haven't really signed anybody accordingly. And then the one time they traded Alcantara and Gallon, it backfired. And now they won't trade any of their top prospects because of it, uh, allegedly. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the reason. It's all about risk. Uh, and it's a, they kind of run their organization scared. Ryan Gilbert, you're so damn cool, Kyle. I'm a piece of shit, Ryan, but thank you. John Noble says, no, I was talking about Discord. Totally free. Oh, that's right. My bad. See, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. Uh, John, my bad. Uh, over on Twitter, we say, Merry Christmas, brother. You're the best, Jay Ferg. Thanks for being here, bud. Uh, Discord, Patreon, whatever it is. I see that goes to show you how little I understand. Zach Bathon, Zach Bathon at seven nineteen, so about a half an hour ago. Again, sorry about this. I'm trying to get caught up. Says Kyle, I don't know if the sexiness would still be there if the quality of this got better. Yeah, you're probably right because it would be so disgusting that uh, you'd be like, oh no, this thing, this thing isn't gonna work. It's just not gonna work. It's a sexiness, the prince sex. We raise our glass. Uh, our good friend. Stu Style says, you going to MC the Jeff City Caravan or what? The Cardinals are too scared to put me in charge of one of the Cardinal Caravans, but it would be a magical experience fit for man, woman, and child. It would be the greatest thing to ever happen to the Cardinals Caravan uh, since it was created. 
I would be a disaster and somebody would have to escort me off of the caravan and probably leave me in the prison at Greenville would be my guess. Uh, but who knows? Like, no, for real, I think it would be a really cool thing. And I, me and Mr. Ackerman could do it. It'd be wild. But obviously, like, I am poison for those people. Uh, I, my existence is poison for those people. So the last thing that they need is to have me uh, me there. Um, but yeah, like that would have been the coolest thing ever. And maybe somewhere down the lines, I'll clean up my act and I'll go under a new alias or something. And then uh, I can be a respectable human being that the Cardinals want to be associated with instead of somebody that they keep way, way away from them. Uh, Aaron Johnson says, do pad free and do a couple dollars a month for a birds on the black chat community. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. I, I don't know, Aaron. Uh, again, I appreciate the support. I think you guys rock. <sighs> Let's see. I've got this beer here. I've got the Montucky, which I love with all my heart. And I've got the German style Pilsner from the Aldi Advent Calendar. The Grave of Einstein says, I've been really interested in Pete Hansen recently. I think his velo is an issue. Apparently, he has worked it up like Max in 94 before, but I like his slider a lot. What do you think? Yeah, look, Pete Hansen. I like Pete Hansen better than Bryson Mounts, their second-round pick. I like that third-round pick better than their second-round pick. Um, you know, the velocity is going to be his issue. He has a deceptive motion. He's done really well against some advanced talent. Uh, the breaking pitches all kind of have movement profiles that are – kind of contrary to what the Cardinals normally do, which is, you know, get some measurable things that other organizations would want. But, you know, if he can't get the velocity up, it probably doesn't mean shit, honestly. You know, he's shown signs, uh, especially towards the end of the year, where he got his velocity up, you know, 91, 92. But when you're pitching 87, 89, you know, that, that doesn't really mean much. You know, uh, Connor Thomas has gotten away with that because he's really damn good. And I think Pete Hansen could be that. Uh, I just... There are other things to be worried about. And honestly, like, it's a pretty conservative pick for a third-round pick, but I don't blame them for doing it. And I've been wrong about the lefties in the in the past. Like, Connor Thomas I was wrong about. With the Cardinals drafted Connor Thomas, I thought he'd be a loogie. I thought he'd be a loogie at most at a time when loogies didn't exist anymore. Uh, but he's he's outperformed that. He went – he was to me, he looked different coming back from COVID. The lost 2020 season, rather. And uh, so, yeah, I mean – I, I view him more as organizational depth. I view him as kind of like if everything goes right, he's Connor Thomas. Uh, but he could be more than that. And he pitches deceptively uh, with a quick short arm action and with some stuff that measures the way you want it to measure aside from Velo. That's my thought. You know, Bryson Mounts, C Cooper Jerpy, uh, Pete Hansen, all of those guys, uh, uh, Max Raychek, all of those guys are going to advance through the lower levels of the minors quickly because of command. Now, I don't know about Bryson. I, uh, they'll all advance to the because of command and stuff. So when they get to double A, I think that's when we'll have a better idea of exactly what these guys are. And of course, that could be said about every prospect, but I just think with the college advanced command first ish pitchers, like that's when we'll know more. Jordan Hilton says, which Cardinal would build the best snowman? It would have to be somebody who's tall, right? Uh, so you can make a big, giant snowman. Well, you know, kind of off the off the wall here, DJ Carpenter, uh, one of the Cardinals draft picks this past year, a relief pitcher from uh, Oregon State. He's like 6'8", the 14th rounder. And maybe him, like, you know, you got to get a guy up there high to make a huge snowman. And my guess would be that DJ 6'8", DJ Carpenter, or Jack Ralston, uh, the uh, sixth round pick in 2019 out of UCLA. Like one of those two guys would be your, your best bet. Andy Heckross says anyone who wants 
or don't anyone who you want or don't want for the new Cardinals broadcaster. Yeah, I've been pretty. And again, as everybody comes on Twitter here and they might see there's only a few people. Uh, remember, we're over on YouTube, the Birds on the Black YouTube page. Go to the Birds on the Black YouTube page and watch there. But um, Andy Heckross says, anyone you want or don't want for the new Cardinals broadcast, look, I am going to champion both Alex Coyle and Jack Keffer uh, from the Memphis broadcast. I love those guys. You know, um, if they're going to do something on a temporary basis, I don't care if it's only a year. I prefer it not be recording, mostly because he's terrible on television, but he's decent on the radio. And he does do play-by-play, so don't get caught up there. Um, yeah, that's my thought. You know, I I think that I would love to see them go to the Memphis guys because I think those guys are awesome. Uh, maybe Andrew Bookbinder at AA. I think that guy's awesome. Uh, he does a really great job. Um, I don't really care. I, I just don't. You know, a lot of times I can get critical of the broadcast because I usually have it on really low while I'm listening to the three minor league broadcasts I'm watching every night or four if Palm Beach is, in t- you know, is, uh, is uh, on MILB TV. So I'm always listening to all four of those broadcasts, and I don't catch a lot about what goes on in the Cardinal game. So other than watching it, like looking up and watching it, I don't hear a lot until the minor league games are over. So I don't really have much of a preference. I would just like to see my boys in Memphis or uh, um, uh, Springfield get a shot. Josh Brown, uh, who is part of a podcast as well, and I can't think of the name of the podcast right now. I'm sorry. He says, Kyle, have you seen Violent Night yet? Yeah, so that's a David Harbour movie. Uh, your Santa matches that David Harbour vibe. Cheers, bud. Always great stuff. Yeah, to uh, 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 Josh, I can't remember the name of your podcast, man. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, put it up here, Josh. I'll try to get to it. But uh, uh, to Josh Brown, to David Harbour, to that stuff, I raise my glass. Josh is a good dude. Caleb Noble says, I'm excited for Dylan Carlson's 2023. I think he's 800 OPS. I think he's an 800 OPS guy moving forward. So I think he has that capability, but it's remember it's worth remembering that coming back from a wrist injury isn't easy. And depending on how long the wrist injury lingers, the first thing to go is power. And that's an issue, right? Uh, hard to have an OPS of 800 without power. Uh, you know, slug being dragged down. I do worry about that wrist. We're going to have to wait and see. But remember, even if he's a 790 guy, a 780 OPS guy, it's about how he's doing it, what he's doing in the field, and how he's creating runs. Because if he goes back to the 2021 version of himself, or he's a 109 WRC plus run producer, uh, you know, between 109 and 115, he's fine playing defensive center field the way he's capable of playing center field. And he's cheap, and he's a great cog. A lot of that's going to depend on how he makes adjustments hitting left-handed. If you can rediscover that swing that he's kind of lost and his timing that he's kind of lost. I think he will. I am pro Dylan Carlson. But there are things to be worried about. We need to see more. We need to see better exit velocity. Like, we need to see better data, the type of contact he's making. Uh, but that's not ever really been his game. He's uh, he's had power. He just needs to find consistency and we need to hope that that wrist injury doesn't linger but uh, aside from that yeah he could be right at the 798 820 ops uh 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 window b our good friend b who we love and love and love says how starts do you see uh kisner getting this year how many starts do we see andrew kisner getting this year i'll say 35 that's my guess uh b love i hope you're doing well man we love you uh everybody loves you bud you're the best 
Happy holidays, Kyle from Sarah R. To you, Sarah R. I raise my Aldi beer. Happy holidays to you. Tim Nikolai says, with Jack headed into free agency, do you think the odds are high that he has his best season in years? I think he has the best season. I think Jack Flaherty has his best season in years if he's healthy. I really honestly don't think that the free agency of it all plays into it as much as other people do. I think it's a fun storyline for sure. But I think that like, His health is what matters. You know, I watched him at Springfield last year in a rehab assignment get fired up and pitch with with intensity and pitch through some pain. And he's not a different competitor. He's not working hard this this offseason because of the cash that he he might be able to gain. He's working hard because he's a competitor who wants to win. Uh, Again, I think it just comes down to health. Sure, he might maybe pitch through some health issues knowing that there's a paycheck on the other side of it that he otherwise might not have. But that's what I think. I think I think there's a portion of the fan base who, because he's been liberal and has a liberal agenda, that'll hate him. Same thing as like the portion of the fan base who hates the conservative agenda of Miles Michaelis. Like there's no winning those people over because they're so brainwashed in the first place. But those people will say that Jack Flaherty is only going to be good for a contract. And that's not the case. Like that guy's a competitor. He wants the best for him, for the team. He wants to be a winner. He wants to put his best foot forward. Um, and, uh, I, I think that if he's has his best year since 2019, it'll be because of health and because of health alone over on Twitter, Sarah Ann says, if you could only watch one Cardinals affiliate team for the rest of your life, which one would you pick? Well, you know, honestly, like I kind of like to watch Palm beach because a lot of those guys never get much further than like Peoria. Some guys don't even get to like get to Palm beach and then fizz out. And I never get to watch Palm beach. So Palm beach. So it's kind of like that train wreck. Oh my God. Water. I need water. It's a little bit like the train wreck curiosity of it all, where it would give me the opportunity to see guys that I never really get to see. Um, you know, and then I like Memphis because of the guys on the broadcast. I think they're awesome. Stu Style says Ruchinski uh, to the A's. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. One more pitcher off the board for the Cardinals. Aaron Johnson says, which free agent pitcher next offseason are you dreaming on? I like Nola. Yeah, Aaron Nola would be incredible. I don't think there's any way that that actually happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not the type of person to look much further than where we're at. That's that's kind of always been my thing, you know? Like, um, I don't know. I just – it's nothing I want to get caught up in just yet. I'm not there yet. I want to focus on this year, and I want to see what kind of strides – I want to see what kind of strides some of the internal options make. Matt Cuff says Fred Bird versus Orbit versus Blooper versus Dinger versus the Fanatic in a four-way money in the bank ladder match. And then he corrects it to five-way. Uh, who wins? That's the Fanatic. That Fanatic's a psychopath. I don't think it's even close. Uh, VHS says, what do you, and this was uh, about 20 minutes ago, VHS asks, what do you make of Burleson's 2022 cup of coffee? I don't make anything of it. I know that he started hitting the, the data tells us that he started hitting the ball harder toward the end of his time uh, in those limited at bats that he got. But, you know, as, as I feel the same way about it, that I felt about Lane Thomas, that I felt about Randy or Rosarena, that I felt about Adolis Garcia, all of which have had different outcomes in other organizations. I don't think we've seen enough. I think the playing time was too sparse, right? He had like 44 or 66 or whatever at bats and like, a 40 day period. Like you can't find out anything about that. 
the other thing is he had made incredible strides to hit lefties at Memphis and he barely went up against the lefty. Like, I don't know. I, I just think with a guy like that, like give him some at bats. What did you have to lose by giving him more at bats than he got? You know, and I get it because for a really short period of time there, Corey Dickerson was uh, just lightning hot. And uh, he was every bit as good of a hitter there for minus the power that Albert Pujols was. And he helped carry the team. But like, give that guy at bats, find out more about your future. Uh, so I make nothing of it. I was pleased with some of the strides that he was making towards the end, getting his hard hit rate up a little bit. And hopefully he gets a chance to show the Cardinals what he's made up in the major leagues. Uh, what bums me out about the small sample that Burleson got is the same thing that bums me out about the small sample that Justin Williams got, that Lars Newpar got, or not Lars Newpar, small sample that uh, uh, Justin Williams, Lane Thomas, Rosarena, and Jagall got, is that people make up their minds and they're already ready to move on. Now, again, just in those four, we have an entirely mixed bag, right? Two of them, one of them is a slightly below league average performer. Two of them have like carved out careers for themselves and I have no idea where Justin Williams is to save my life. And that's kind of how this all goes, right? But I hate that we never got to see it. At least Williams and Thomas got some time at the beginning of last year to, or, you know, two years ago to kind of show what they had and then fizzle out. Uh, and that could happen with Burleson. I just don't think it will. I have all the faith in the world in Alec Burleson. Uh, that kid's too high quality and he's made too many quick adjustments, and he understands hitting too well to be anything more than an average, at least, uh, offensive contributor given a real chance. Grave of Einstein says, I really wish baseball teams traded draft picks more these days. It makes the draft a bit more fun for me. Yeah, you know, uh, it's only those uh, competitive balance picks that can get traded, and uh, that's a bummer. Uh, but yeah, look, I do. I do wish that they were, uh, they'd get, uh, they were, I wish they were all able to be traded. I think it'd be fascinating during the draft. I don't know if it would affect many trades, uh, uh, around like prior to the draft, but I wouldn't be surprised if you would see teams moving up in the, in the draft to, to make those trades. It's so tough with the money attra- attached to draft slots, uh, to, to make those moves anyways. Graham J says, what extension do you see Michaelis getting? Now I will say it makes a lot of sense to extend miles Michaelis. Uh, how old is Michaelis? He's 34, right? God, this thing itches. I might have to take this off. I'm going to take this off. Uh, Michael, you know, Michaelis is 34 or 32 or 33 or however the hell old Miles Michael. Oh, I actually really like this. Holy cow. Uh, however the hell old Miles Michaelis is like, I try to do 320. I know that that sounds crazy, but maybe 320, you can keep the years down and push it a little bit. And that seems high and it probably is high, but yeah, like I'd be fine with that. I think that's a good compromise of years and money. Uh, and uh, I think that it provides protection. Something like that. You know, obviously with the older pitchers, I don't want to go much longer than three years with. Uh, but we know they'll have to. We know they'll probably have to go four years. Maybe four years, 18 per. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but the cost of reliable pitching is high, right? The cost of lefties is high. Lefty bats is high and the cost of reliable pitching is high. And aside from the injury issues that Michaelis has had that he's worked through, uh, he's a reliable pitcher. Like, you know, he'd get more than Jamison Tayon. He'd get more probably than uh, uh, Julio Tehran. Like, I I would think that he'd be in that range of 580, something like that at the very least. That that would be my my guess. And I wouldn't want to give him five years, so I'd want to give him more money up front and to try to get shorter years from him. Paul Walter says, thoughts on not resigning Quintana? No, we haven't got there yet, Paul Walter. And again, Paul Walter asked this question 20 minutes ago over on YouTube. I'm trying to get to it. I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, my thoughts are, 
I'm happy that Jose Quintana went somewhere where they valued him as a starter and somebody worth giving two years at 20, you know, 26 overall too. That's what I think. I think it hurts the Cardinals that he's not going to be pitching for him next year. I think it hurts that they have uh, what they perceive to be six starters. Uh, I think that makes it even more difficult for them to sign starters and people who might be interested in starting in, in the coming years. Uh, and uh, that's my thought. Look, it was a reasonable contract. I would have liked the Cardinals to match and move somebody else or at least gone to, gone to spring training with an additional arm that wasn't Dakota Hudson. Um, but uh, here we are. Like, I don't think it's that huge of a loss. I think it is a huge – I mean, I think it's a decent-sized loss. You know, it's not like it's not like losing an ace, even though he started game one of the playoffs. Like, it's, it's, it's somewhere between, like, significant and huge. It's like right there. Maybe maybe significant. It's a significant loss, especially at that price and especially for those years and especially since he reinvented himself as a pitcher. Um, but, you know, for me, it's all about how those dollars get reallocated. They still need pitching. Uh, they need left-handed bullpen help. They need right-handed bullpen help. They need starters that aren't the five guys or six guys, which, again, Dakota Hudson, are we still doing this? Uh, they'll learn the hard way, just like they've learned the hard way about all these guys. But uh, yeah, that, that's my thought. I I'm both I both understand it and wish it didn't happen. Aaron Johnson says, do you like Expanse on Amazon Prime? I have not watched Expanse. I will put it on the list. Aaron Johnson, send me a little DM, bud. Tim Nikolai says, well, I technically, while it is technically, uh, well, hold on. While it technically is not topic appropriate, we should absolutely sidebar about how much Andor fucking rules. Yeah, to uh, to Andor, like we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on Prospects After Dark. Hold on, to Andor. But I'm kind of bummed out. It's only going to be two seasons, and I know that they're longer seasons. But I just wish that they wouldn't spend. You know, I wish that they would divide the next four years leading up into Rogue One into two seasons. Two 12-episode seasons. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love it. Mac Huff says, oh, Mike Leak. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? Hey, Jeff Jones says, uh, have you bought your tickets yet for the St. Louis Baseball Writers Dinner returning this year at the MAC on January 15th? I have not, Jeff, because I can't guarantee that I will be there. And I, unfortunately, do not have the disposable income to buy tickets to something that I can't guarantee that I'll be at. Uh, but everybody who's in here, should definitely buy their tickets to the baseball writers dinner uh, at the MAC. Uh, it's an awesome thing. Those guys are all pretty fantastic. Uh, and again, if you're on Twitter now, I will remind you that we are over on YouTube, the birds on the black YouTube page. That's where all the questions are. All the people are, all the eyes are, that's where we're putting the questions up. But Hey, to uh, Jeff Jones, to all of the beat writers, all of the people who do an amazing job uh, tweeting out information and writing articles, and reporting uh, information to us as the fans. Uh, Zach Bethon says, where can I find the I raise my glass tea? Oh, boy, that'd be a good one. Boy, that would be a good one. Uh, Brian Chandler says, ah! Over on Twitter. Uh, Steele says, Kyle, I love you. I love you too, Steele. To you, to you and the family, bud, I raise my glass. Uh, Aaron Johnson over on YouTube says, what are your favorite cards podcast? Now, when they do, uh, chirps, I love chirps with Chris Afoli and, uh, Nichols, Tara Wellman Nichols, who is just Tara Nichols now. 
I well, I listen to Meme Unusual every week. Every week, I love worst fans in baseball. I love Gateway to Baseball Heaven with with Tara in C seventy. Um, oh boy, you know I there's like there are just so many really good prospect uh, podcasts. Jesus Christ, I am distracted in the worst possible way. Everyone, I am sorry about that. There are just so many good podcasts right now that it's hard for me to like. You know, uh, the, the, that's a winner podcast. Those guys are really trying to be popular. I give them credit. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. There's just like uh, the talking about birds. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the talking about birds podcast. Those guys are awesome. Like uh, kind of an under the radar podcast that people don't talk about all that much. Uh, the talking about birds podcast is a great one. Those guys are lighthearted. They also get into topics. They have information. I really like that. And of course, Cardinals off day. Um, I, I listen to that every time that they put a new episode out. I know uh, Tito is also on a podcast. I don't, I've never, I try, I listen to it a little bit. I don't I don't listen to it a lot. Nothing against Tito. Who's awesome. But uh, their podcast is really, you know, is, is an enjoyable experience as well. Uh, Josh Thompson says, do you agree that all of the prospects in our system, Zane Mills is the one that fucks. Now, I will say there isn't a pitcher who throws with less or who throws with more ease than Zane Mills. And he's got a little fire to him. He doesn't throw with much velocity and he's a pitch to contact pitcher. Uh, But yeah, I'm sure that guy fucks him three or four at a time, I would think. MT2330 says, do you think it's possible that Chris Sale could be a trade target? Possibly dealing to young Montgomery and a prospect to the Red Sox for sale plus money to offset his contract. Not in that deal. No, the Cardinals aren't going to send. Like, I mean, maybe the Red Sox send money, but let me tell you my issue with Chris Sale and why I think, and I have no reason to believe, but why I think the Cardinals would not make that trade. I think Chris Sale is kind of a piece of shit. Uh, again, like it's like everything is kind of about him, and sometimes he feels disrespected a lot, and he's kind of vocal about it. And the Cardinals really don't trade for that pitcher, that player, right? That's not really something they do so no no i wouldn't think uh not unless it was something that they were guaranteed and plus like uh you know uh, plus i don't know i just that doesn't seem like the kind of move the cardinals would make the the red sox would have to send a lot of money over to make that happen would be my guess brian chandler says yachty manager win uh how about when he doesn't get kicked out of a game uh, in puerto rico uh, once every 30 games. Josh Brown says, that's a winner podcast. No worries at all, man. Again, check out that's a winner. Check out talking about birds. Check out the worst uh, worst fans in baseball podcast. Uh, C70 on Meet Me Unusual with, my, with Alan Medlock. I love both of those guys with every ounce of my being. Uh, Chirps with Alex Chris Foley and, and Tara Nichols. Tara, of course, is on with uh, a Gateway, a Gateway to Baseball Heaven with uh, C70 as well. Uh, Cardinals off day with Ben Godar and Ben Humphrey. I love all those guys, all those people. They rock. Uh, Brian Chandler says, yes, and it'd still be garbage. I don't know what that's about. Paul, too, says, and this was about about 20 minutes ago, 25 minutes ago. How good defensively is Moises Gomez? I know he played a little center field last year. How about you grade out his defense at the major league corner outfield? I'd give him a 40, 45 maybe. Here's the thing is he's got a cannon, but sometimes he doesn't know where to throw it, and he just unleashes it. And he can make some good catches, but he's also kind of awkward out there. He's kind of a big body. So I would say he's a 
40 with a chance to be a 50 with an arm that's a 60 that has a chance to be uh, an arm that's a 50 that has a chance to be a 70 with refined accuracy and knowledge of where he needs to throw the ball. Like that's uh that's, but I would not put him in center. He's either a right fielder or a left fielder. Uh, Brendan Wellers on Twitter says, uh, Ryan Shul is a geezer. I don't know why he's going after Ryan Shul. I love it though. Connor says, I am in your walls. Come on out, Connor. You can live in my walls or you can live in my bowels. You can live anywhere you want outside of my walls, inside of my walls, outside of my balls, inside of my balls, inside of my balls, outside of my balls. You can be anywhere you want, Connor, anywhere you want. Aaron Johnson says, is Terry Fuller still in the system? He is not. Kyle Hampton says, with the loss of their second-round pick, do you expect the Cardinals to go super conservative in the next year draft, or do they choose upside, opting for quality or quantity? I think it's going to be on a it's going to be on a pick-by-pick basis. Look, this is an organization that scouts extremely well and communicates really well, uh, just as a hat tip to somebody I talked to earlier. But they uh they they scout extremely well. So they'll be opportunistic. Look, if there's somebody that they can overpay for in the first round who falls to them, they'll do it and they'll just deal with it down the line. If there's somebody in the sixth round, like Max Rachins, uh Max Rachik, uh, this past year. They'll draft him and give him a million dollars and sort out the rest. Uh, they did it with Alec Willis a couple of years ago. They'll their philosophy is to do what they do. You know, I know that sounds crazy, but to do what they do and pivot accordingly. So I think that uh, to, to answer all your questions, it's yes. I think that the Cardinals could be super conservative. I think they could choose upside, opting for quality over quantity. I think all of these things can happen at once in the major league draft. And I think that's what makes the major league draft. Very, very stupid, but also kind of captivating. Matt R says, Merry Christmas, Chris Kringle. Merry Christmas, Matt R. This is OnlyFans Santa. You know, since you said this is OnlyFans Santa, let's go ahead and get, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You can see a nipple. Wait, no, it's this nipple. You can see that nipple right there. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the the hooded sweatshirt is off. Again, go to uh, uh, the birds on the black thing and buy whatever. Just buy shit. Because I think Gift makes money off of it, and Gift deserves to make money, especially because he pays too much money for the website, and you should just shut the thing down. Uh, and then I can go about living my life, and he can go about living his life, and uh, uh, doing whatever it is he does, and me whatever I do, and I can just fade off into oblivion. Uh, but yeah, so there's that. VHS says it's extremely hard to look back on the 2020 draft with regrets, but Spencer Strider would have looked really good on the Cardinals. How did he fall so far? Improve so much? It's the same kind of thing with Gordon Graceffo, right? How many teams are looking at Gordon Graceffo and saying? Man, we fucked up by not picking him in those other rounds ahead. It's all about commitment. It's all about going. You know, first off, there were some things about Spencer Strider that a lot of teams missed when he was, uh, you know, in when he was draft eligible. But that being said, like, he did all that shit on his own, too. And he did it with the help of the organization, of course. But he did all that shit on his own. And that's kind of what makes baseball weird these days is you can do so much on your own. And uh, that's what we're seeing. And a lot of it is that. Uh, and so many people, so many different organizations, it's not just driveline, are investing into uh, mechanics and investing into technologies to get people's money, but to also make players better at the sport. And some people are better at it than others. And uh, Spencer Strider definitely reaped those benefits. Connor over on YouTube says, do you think Burleson doesn't have a much of a future in the clogging? Do you think Burleson doesn't have a much of a future in the clogged outfield and his future is only through a DH role. No, like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things that the Cardinals are doing and uh, pundits 
are kind of undervaluing Alec Burleson as a fielder. Now, he is not great. He's good. He's fine in a corner. Uh, the clog definitely hurts, and you are right about that. That's a fair question to ask. The fact that the Cardinals are probably fine in the corners, unless they, you know, whether it be uh, whether it be Newt in a corner or Carlson in a corner, with the opposite being in center field, and of course Tyler O'Neill in left, like they're probably fine. But I think if you do it right, you can make it all work. The Cardinals have just never been good at it, and Ali Marmol, Ali. Ali Marmol is a big upgrade over what Mike Schilt did, is a big upgrade over what Mike Matheny did. But I think that uh I, I think that it's not as a DH, it's more as a fourth outfielder who, depending on what the team needs at the time, will hit against lefties and righties and be more contact oriented against tough pitching. Like I think that's one area where the Cardinals kind of miss a boat with Alec Burleson. Like I would have liked Alec Burleson to go up against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. And I get why he didn't care. They didn't carry him. They're fucking stupid for doing it. But like, give me Burleson against tough pitchers. Cause he's going to give a better at bat than Nolan Gorman is that that's where his value is. Like, give me him against Scherzer. Give me him against DeGrom. Give me him against Verlander. I- I'm telling you, I think you'll be surprised by what you see because of the professionalism and the way he hits and how he takes an at bat. I think I think you're like that's where his value is. Kershaw, um, you know, all those tough lefties. I would still like to see him there because I think he's going to do more in an at bat than a lot of other players in the organization are going to do. And it's a shame that he wasn't given that opportunity. But again, it's only a shame if they're going to use him that way. If they're not going to use him that way, then it doesn't fucking matter. B Love says, "I miss that sexy beard. I miss you too, B Love." Uh, Matt R says, "Kyle's ball dropped momentarily." Uh, my ball dropped always. Oh, hold on. Uh, Matt Chandler just keeps saying like, uh, Brian Chandler keeps saying like two innings stuff. Uh, seriously, Merry Christmas, man. Hope to see you in Peoria again. To uh, Matt Rumler, I raise my glass. Matt, uh, you're an awesome dude. It was a pleasure to meet you. Uh, Troy Poole, all the Peoria people, I raise my glass. Uh, VHS says... Uh, what would you do if you ran Twitter? I would not do anything, right? Like, I wouldn't do anything. You know, I think that's what... Now, keep in mind that all publicity is good publicity. And any way you cut it, bringing people to Twitter was a good thing. And people had their eyes on Twitter when Elon Musk took over. And it's business 101 to go and fire everybody and give everybody severance and start over from scratch. So when people were freaking out about that, it's like, just take a calm, take a breath. Like this shit happens. You know, is it stupid? Yeah, it's fucking stupid, but this shit happens. And now we're seeing this psychopath uh, kind of come through. Now that keep in mind, I call myself a psychopath. Now I don't respect myself. I respect Elon Musk more than I respect myself. Uh, But I guess where, as I kind of like, fall into a thousand pieces what i'm trying to say is i think what mr musk is doing wrong now is he's trying to do things and i understand that like the bankruptcy of the company is a whole thing and that's something i don't understand and that's why he's a businessman and i'm an asshole in an apartment uh built in like 1901 or whatever uh i think that a person can be both an asshole and an idiot and smart and philanthropic at the same time i think that's one of the dynamics of human existence uh, all of that is just to say that, like, I think his best bet now is to step away. 
see not like step away but like just step back he doesn't need to step away like jack understood that like you can just like jack dorsey just like you can just watch things happen you don't always need to be involved and even like making twitter about him isn't a good idea like don't make it about you it's it's not about you like free speech isn't about you uh don't make it about you stop that like just let twitter do its thing it's been fine for now just like with the country, everything goes bankrupt. Uh, so you you just do what you can until you can't do it anymore. And that's what I would do. I would I would jump in there. I would collect a huge salary. I would let Twitter do its thing. I'd let people cancel each other because they're assholes. I'd let people say asshole thing because they're assholes. Uh, and then I would I'd uh, I would say this is hilarious. You people are getting exactly what you deserve, you deserve by surrounding yourself with other assholes. Uh, Zach Bathon says, what are your thoughts on Mason Wynn? I've heard several scouts have a lot of mixed results on him. What would you call a good stat line for him? First off, anybody that you're hearing mixed results from is a fucking asshole. They're stupid. It's lazy analysis. Uh, look, he is a good defensive shortstop. He is a great base runner. He is a full throttle athlete who gives everything on every play. And if he didn't do it on a run down to first, then fuck that old white guy who's stuck in 1944, wherever the fuck he came from. Uh, second is what's a good stat line. I think realistically, look at what Tommy Edmond has done. And again, I know that's not sexy. I know people want, uh, um, you know, they want uh, more than that out of a top prospect, but I think it's realistic to look at what Tommy Edmond has done and say that is who Mason Wynn can be. Now, look at Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond is a top 20 war performer. Uh, granted, he does it mostly with defense, and I don't think Wynn's going to do that. I think he'll bring a little bit more offense. But, like, I think I think Mason Wynn could be a perennial 270, 330, you know, seven you know 780 750 maybe 750 ops guy with a little bit more pop here and there in career years like i think that's who he is and i think he's going to be really good on defense really solid he's going to do some stuff you know he's working on that he's he's going to do some stuff that you know a 20 21 year old would do uh but like that that's what i think those scouts are fucking stupid don't whoever is telling you that ignore them because they're stupid and they're not watching it's just that simple. That's when scouts talk to scouts and they spread fucking rumors and they don't do their due diligence. Those are the stupid scouts who say stupid shit like that. Brennan Roush says, what kind of role do you think Mike Antico carves out in the majors if he can make it there? Can he be more than just a pinch runner threat? Yeah, look, now uh, we've talked about it a little bit and we talked about it a little bit on Talking Birds podcast, but like Mike Antico is, he's just kind of like, he could be a really great role player, right? He has a lot of work to do defensively out in the outfield because he plays timid out in center. If he could lose that that timid nature going back on the ball or going into the gaps, I think he would be able to solidify himself as a real fourth outfielder that can do some special things. He has a little bit more pop than Scott Hurst. So he like he has more speed, more pop. He's not as good of a defender. Um uh, and he can do more at the plate. So think of him as kind of like Scott Hurst with maybe a little bit more in the tank. And I do think that he could carve himself out a role if he's willing to go balls to the walls in the outfield as a longstanding, um, you know, uh, major league and minor league uh, transitioning back and forth between for years and years and years. And if he can find a way to tap into more power, which with his swing, I don't even know how he has the power he has. So I think it's reasonable. It's the quick, it's kind of the bat speed probably, but it's, if he can 
if he can continue to tap into that, then there could be more there is what I think. Dwayne Ludwig says, just tuning in, I was promised a half-naked Kyle. What happened? I think I've taken my shirt off since then. Uh, Cardinal fan zero. 213 says, it's funny how MLB analysts think the Cubs have the best middle infield in the central. And Edmund shortstop and Gorman Donovan double uh, second base platoon is uh, mad underrated. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, people get excited and they say things when they're excited. Uh, Oh, God. Jason Napier says, does Carp thrive at Petco with the shift being gone, even though it's a huge ballpark? And how much are teams able to play with shifting players? I've done zero research. Yeah, look, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see teams get aggressive and uh, interesting with the uh, – uh, oh, we want gifts to make money on the site. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I think that teams will get interesting with the shift. You know, uh, we know the infield shift rule. We know you have to have two on each side and in the dirt. Uh, but I think you'll see teams get more aggressive with how they move the second baseman. I think you'll see teams get more aggressive with how they shift the left fielder, center fielder, and right fielder. A uh, shortstop against righties, of course. Like, I don't. Th- I think that that's a bit overblown. They're – Players that are going to get more hits. Uh, but that doesn't, like, think about how often people beat the shift by accident. I, I think that you're going to see a balancing out. Uh, that's what I think. I think you're going to see a balancing out. I don't think you're going to see much of a difference as far as, like, how the shift affects a lot of hitters. There might be, you know, a handful of, of hitters, maybe 10, that have huge, tr- like, have huge trend moves because of it. But I don't think Matt Carpenter is going to be one of those guys. I think, I think he'll... He'll gain some hits. I think he'll lose some hits, and I think it'll all balance out. Gifts says he doesn't make money on the site. Uh, so Venmo gifts. It's like at Cardinals gifts. Venmo him all the money because he deserves all the money because he's the best. Tim Nikolai says it sounds like O'Neill DeYoung and other dudes have been given very specific offseason assignments. Do you get the sense that Marmol is being more specific about that than Matheny or Schilt? I think that the communication is better is what I think. I don't know if it's more specific, but I think the communication is 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 better, and I think that it's more hands-on. John Noble says, what's your way too early guess on first round pick in 2023? I got nothing, John Noble. I'm sorry. And Zach Pathan says, thanks for everything that you do. I love your work. Merry Christmas. I raise my glass. I'm going to raise my glass to you. All right. So we are at the end of the questions. Luckily, I have to go to the bathroom, which I don't think has ever happened at pad, especially not a minute and 15 in. I'm going to raise my Montucky to the pad people. For everybody at home that's watching pad, all of the pad people, I raise my glass. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. I raise my glass. Uh, and since we are at the end of the comments, I might as well chug this Jim Beam too, uh, whatever that is. Again, uh, to to the Birds on the Black family, to Cardinals Gifts, to uh, Stu Styles, Ben Cerruti, Enchil, uh, Alex Crisofoli, Tara Nichols. Uh, Zach Gifford, who we love with all our heart. Um, we, we raise our glass. So real fast, VHS asks, who's the next Cardinal prospect to show up at the big leagues with previously undetected 70-grade speed? Uh, Justin Turner. Uh, hold on a minute. Let me, let me think about it as I do this. God, the flavored booze is not good. Aw. Aw, Kathy... Hey, Kyle, Merry Christmas from the Carlson family. To the Carlson family, we raise our glass. Look, we love those people with all our hearts. To you guys, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Most underrated prospect with elite potential. Maybe Alec Willis? 
Uh, I think Max Rachik could be that. Look, the Cardinals have an entire um, potential. God, I've got to go to the bathroom. I have an intention of uh, an entire like group of prospects who might end up being more and I like uh, relief pitching prospects and Andrew Marrero and Andres Granillo, Andre Granillo and DJ Carpenter and um, uh, Chandler Arnold and Tanner Jacobson and, and, and maybe, you know, uh, uh, maybe John Lynch, like maybe somebody like that, Matt Hickey who throws sidearm from the right side. Like, I think those guys could end up being immediate. Um, <laughs> I think those guys could end up being immediate impact players. I love the Carlson family. I, well, I've, I'm all out of beer here, except for this thing. To the Carlson family, the Hicks family, all the families that have touched prospects after dark over the years, the Helsley family, whose shirt I'm wearing now, we raise our glass. Oh, uh, the elite speed. God, I'm forgetting somebody. I'm forgetting somebody obvious. And it's bugging me. I'll get back to you, VHS. God damn it. Justin Turner is always the first one that comes to my mind. Jack Nelson says, I heard you on 590 this morning. Kyle, rock on. Yeah, I was. Uh, I went into the studio and dropped them off breakfast. Charlie Marlowe, Jimmy the Cat Hayes, Cam Jansen, Seth Close, uh, Nate Lucas. I dropped them off breakfast. They're awesome people. Uh, it's the morning show that I listen to now that I can't listen to HD2 uh, with the morning after. Uh, but they've been really awesome to me. And they read my comments and they humor me. So, uh, to, to everybody at Hot Take Central, we raise our glass. Uh, Zach Bathon says, thoughts on most comments about the system being the best? It's been in like 28 years. I worry about the pitching depth in the organization, although people keep putting the pitching depth uh, uh, as like a strength. I think that they've got relief depth, which is super interesting. I worry about the starting pitching depth, and I think that that's an issue. So that's my only nitpick. But look, it's pretty strong. I think it's almost stronger last year. Uh, that's because I also don't believe in Bryson Mounts the way that they do. And I also don't necessarily believe in Pete Hanson the way that they do, uh, but we'll see. Let the man pee internet. Uh, Paul two said, does Tommy Parsons have a shot at making an appearance in the majors? Yeah. Yeah, I do think, uh, what does he need to work on? Velocity would be a huge thing. His fastball is susceptible to getting hammered. Uh, maybe using more breaking pitches, uh, finding a little bit more consistency with the consistency with this curve and change up. And uh, continuing to find maybe a little velocity in his fastball, specifically up in the zone, which would allow his fa- his curveball to play better off of his fastball, and then uh, maybe allow his changeup to to die the way his changeup can die. That's my guess. And then Dwayne Ludwig says, "Mo commented about needing swing and miss pitchers. Do you think the Cardinals will pursue that via the draft? They've already kind of pursued that to a degree, not with some of not with Bryson Mounts, although he could end up being a high K reliever because he's going to be a reliever. Uh, Pete Hansen really isn't that." Uh, I would definitely like to see that become uh, uh, something that they pursue. Cooper Jerpy will strike people out, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, one more time, again, for everybody at Prospects After Dark, everybody at Birds on the Black, we raise our glass. Uh, thank you so much for watching this. If you've watched this, you're part of the resistance. Over on YouTube, Josh Nelson says, Frank Cusimano had an interview with Mo this weekend. He made sure not to name drop Libby. He, look, I don't think he made sure to not name drop Libby. I think he just didn't do it. And maybe he did it on purpose, maybe he didn't. But I think reading into it is really fucking stupid. Uh, let's see what happens. He also didn't really mention Jake Woodford. If I, I mean, maybe he did. I don't remember. I heard the clip. I just, but I think that I think Jake Woodford deserves every bit of much of a chance as Dakota Hudson has or anyone else. So again, uh, that's it. I've really got to go to the bathroom. I love you guys. For everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects of the Dark. If you watch this, you are part of the resistance. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, uh, happy nothing to those who don't celebrate any of that bullshit. Uh, I love all of you. 
be safe. Surround yourself with whatever you want to surround yourself, whether it be family or friends uh, or uh, sex bots, ex-girls, XYZ. Uh, and as always, family, uh, happy hunting. I love you all. And broadcast. Happy. <laughs> <laughs>